1 Peter chapter 3, I want to start in verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 8 says, finally, now that's a good sign. When the sermon starts with the word finally, that's a good sign. Finally, he said, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tenderhearted. Be courteous, verse 9, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. Somebody say blessing. Blessing. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. One of the things we want children and adults alike, finding out, in their time here at Legacy Church is what they're called to. One of the greatest things you'll ever find out from God is what he's called you to be, what he's created you to do, and then give the rest of your life to that. We want people to know you don't have to spend decades fumbling around in the dark. You don't have to try this only to see it fail and try that only to see it fail and then stumble across what you think might be your purpose for living. Man, listen, you can find out at an early age who God's called you to be, what God's called and equipped and anointed and graced you to do. And we want our children finding that out. We want our grown-ups finding that out, our teenagers, our college students, and everybody in between knowing who and what they're called to be. But understanding that always begins with scriptures like this one from the word of God that say, you are called to this. What am I called to do? Start with scriptures that say, this is what you're called to do. Start there. That's where it begins. You start by familiar, familiar, um, help me Lord Jesus, getting used to the voice of God. As he speaks through his word, and as you come to know that, it's the same voice on the inside of you speaking by his spirit. And when you know through the voice of his word, you're called to this. You're created for this. Then the very next thing is what the spirit of God can say to you, whether it's about your job or or who you're supposed to spend your life with and your friendships and relationships. It's the same voice. Come on, somebody say it. It's the same voice. It's the same voice. And what did he say your calling is here? We are called to bless. That's your calling. It's a huge part of what we're put on this planet to do and to be. It's to be a blessing to people. And did you notice he said here, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Not a word we use very much. The New Living Translation says it like this. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. Now, that ain't normal. The way the rest of this world lives. You want to know how it is? Well, they started it. That's how everybody lives. That starts on a playground when you're about five five or six years old. And because somebody said something, somebody did something to you that you didn't like, you felt at complete liberty to retaliate. Why? Because they started it. They started it. They started it. And that carries all the way through elementary. That goes up into junior high and high school. You know, you still got high school students thinking that way, that I am totally justified 
and what I'm saying to you, about you, running you down. Why? Because you started it. Guess what? We got grown-ups still saying they started it. And that excuse is not going to fly with God. It's never going to work with him when you say, well, God, they started it. He's never going to say, oh, they did? My bad. That's fine. Go ahead. No. He said, yeah, you can pay them back. But he said, pay them back with a blessing. Because that's what you're called to. That's what you're called to be. That's what you're called to do is to be and to do a blessing to people. He said, pay them back with a blessing. Now, I want you to notice this in the very next verse. Four, he said in verse 10. Let's get this up here. Verse, verse 10. I, I want you to look at it, first of all, in the New King James. He said, for he who would love life, or you could say it like this, whoever wants to love life and see good days. This is the verse that came to me early yesterday morning. I, I had another thought in my mind, the time that we would spend together on back to school Sunday. But as soon as I sat down early yesterday morning to start seeking the Lord about this, this verse and these words right here came to my heart so strong. He who would love life and see what kind of days? Good days. Man, when I read that and I understand and I see here that the Bible is saying, do you want to love your life? The Bible's asking me this. Jeremy, do you want to love your life? Do you want to see good days? You know what my response is and what our response should be? Sign me up. I said, sign me up for what? A good life full of good days. When you think about your life, you think about how a whole lifetime is made up of many, many, many years, decade after decade after decade. And let's say you, you come towards the, the winter season of that life, towards the end of it, you at a, at a good old, 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 old age, fully satisfied, and you, you get to the end and you say, I have loved this life. Well, what made your life something that you loved? Well, think about it like this. What is a year? Seems like a long time, but a year is just, you know, 12 months. And what is a month? It's four or five weeks. And what is a week? It's seven days. So a, a life that you loved is really nothing more than a good day after a good day after a good day. And then another good day and another good day and another good day. And I get a little... I don't know what the word is, maybe confused sometimes when I hear even preachers say, well, now listen, God never promised you happiness. God never promised you a good life. Are we reading scripture? What did Jesus say? I came that you'd have life and have it how? More abundantly. The Amplified says, I came that you'd have life and, and enjoy it to the full till it overflows. I have decided, Sarah and I both, at the beginning of this school year, as parents, that our faith is set, that this 2022-23 school year is going to be better than ever. Amen. Is that the word the Lord gave us early this year? 
That's what he's doing in us. He's perfecting, establishing, strengthening, and settling us, bringing us into the best shape of our lives. And as he does that, as he's at work in us, our lives are better than they've ever been. Glory to God. Well, I'm, I'm determining that. I'm setting my faith for that in this school year. That for the, what, next nine months or however long this year is, it's going to be one good day after another, after another, after another. That doesn't mean we don't have challenges. You know that. I know that. But the Bible promises us good days. But I said that to you on purpose. I'm setting my faith for that. As Justice and Jesse's daddy and the head of this house, Sarah and I are setting our faith for it because it's not automatic. A life that you love and good day after good day, it's not automatic. And you probably knew that without me telling you. It has to be something that you approach by faith. That, Like I said, you set your faith for that. But for faith to work, somebody tell me, how does faith come? By hearing. In other words, you're going to have to, if it comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, you're going to have to have a word to set your faith on. And that's what we're doing right here with this scripture. For this verse, for this school year, this verse, he has promised us a life we love and to see good days. Come on, help me out. What kind of days? Good days. Good days. But it's not just a matter of, okay, I see it in your word. Thanks. I, I, I believe that. What else do you know about faith? You know this. Faith without works or corresponding action is dead. It's lifeless. There's, there's no life or energy in it. So what you're going to see over the next couple of minutes is that this verse right here tells you how to set your faith for a good life and good days, a life that you love, and the corresponding action. If the Bible were to say to you, if you will put these things into practice, you will love your life and you will see good days. Would you do it? See, like half of you would. Come on, we gotta, we gotta wake up a bit, church. Now, if you don't want to love life and you don't care what kind of days you see, fine. But we are called to be a blessing. We are called to not just bump through life or just to subsist or try to exist. We are called to love this life. To not just see any old days or bad days or depressing days, but good days. Shout it out, good days. Good days. What kind of days are right ahead of you? Good days. If you will believe God for it and put some practice and some action to your faith. So let me ask you again. If the Bible, Lord help us. If the Bible were to say to you, put these things into practice and you will love your life and you will see good days. Would you do it? Yes. Thank you. Sheesh. So, what is the corresponding action to our faith? Verse 10 again. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Other translations say his lips from telling lies. Verse, verse 11. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. 
but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I want my children, your children, to live every day of this school year with the awareness that the eyes of the Lord are on them. That he's keeping a watchful eye on them. Amen? That his face is towards them. And it's the awareness of that and a revelation of it that causes you to love this life and see not just one or two good days, but good day after good day after good day. When Justice and Jesse were really little, it was my job in the morning after they got up and got ready and we got them out the door, I drove them to school. And every day on the way to school, we'd sing songs. And uh, we actually, I forget how many years ago this was, but we started making up our own song, our own on the way to school song. And uh, just a little verse, we would say, it's going to be a good day, great day, best day ever. If the sun shines or in rainy weather, because I got you, got me, and we got each other forever and ever and ever. But I started getting that on the inside of them. It's going to be a good day, great day, best day ever. Would you say it with me? It's going to be a good day, great day, best day ever. And then when I would pick them up from school, they'd get in the car and I'd say, all right, guys, what was it? Was it a good day? Was it a great day? Or was it the best day ever? And you know, when those are your three options, you don't do a lot of complaining. Because at the very worst... It was a good day. Would you say it again? It's going to be a good day, great day, best day ever. Now, I think we used to sing that in Texas, whether the sun shines or rainy weather. We've added a, some snow conditions in there too. But what I'm saying is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're going to see some good days. But look again at what he said our corresponding action is here to our faith. He who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from telling lies. Now, if you go back and you look through these verses, from what I can see and what I can tell, there's about five things just in these couple of verses that if you will put into practice in your life, the Bible promises you that you're going to love this life, that you're going to see good days. And I might add great days and best days ever. But isn't it interesting that the first two out of the five have to do with your mouth? Not many people are thinking that way. They're not realizing that the course their life is taking is being directed by the words that are coming out of their mouths. Now, it shouldn't be a surprise to us as people of faith and people who know the word of God, we know that the scripture says death and life are in the power of the tongue. We also know in the book of James that the Bible says our tongue is like the rudder on a ship. What does that rudder do? Man, it steers that ship. That rudder is what's determining the course that that ship is taking. And that's what your tongue is. It shouldn't be a surprise to you that when you go through this list of things you put into practice, things that determine whether or not you love this life and you see good days, did you notice there's not one thing in there about what somebody else does to you? About what anybody else does for you or doesn't do for you? In other words, 
We're not, we're not laying the blame. We're not laying the responsibility on anybody else to determine whether or not we love our lives and we see good days. Now, I bring this up because this is a total opposite way of thinking than what you're out in day after day after day. There are people that because they don't love their life, they're looking for anybody and everybody else to blame for it. I don't love my life because of what this one didn't do for me. I don't love my life because of the way this one doesn't recognize me, the way this one doesn't provide for me, because this one didn't help me. I'm not seeing good days because of that, what that one did to me. Do you notice none of that is in here? None of it. So we're not going to think that way, are we, church? We're going to realize that our life and the, the ship of our life is not being steered by anybody else. It's not being directed by what's going on in the world. It's not being directed by what's going on with other people. We're going to start by looking at what's coming out of our mouths. And the first thing he says is, if you want to love life and see good days, he said, keep your lips, right? Let him refrain his tongue from evil. Let him refrain his tongue from evil. Now, what is evil? What would evil speaking sound like? Well, look back at what the scripture calls evil. Do you know the Bible, the New Testament, says that a heart of unbelief is evil? That's an evil thing, an evil heart of unbelief. Unbelief coming out of your mouth is an evil thing. Evil's not a word we use a lot anymore. It just means bad, not good. <laughs> That's what it means. I'm going to challenge you, parents and children alike, this school year, put a watch over your mouth and don't let unbelief come out. I said, don't let unbelief come out. If you have a frustrating day or you, you have a challenging day and there's something being taught, there's something being said and it's for whatever reason, it's not sinking in. You're having a hard time understanding it. Don't let unbelief come out of your mouth. Even if you got to go home Young people, listen to me. Even if you got to go home and get in agreement with mom and dad and remind yourself, I have the mind of Christ. He has made me of quick understanding. And even if you got to say it by faith, I understand algebra. And that is a faith statement for a lot of people. I understand what they're teaching me. And meanwhile, your brain's going, no, you don't. We don't get this at all. What do you say? Shut up. You'll get it in a minute. Don't let unbelief come out of your mouth. You say not what you see and not what you feel. You say what you believe. You say what you believe. Amen? And don't wait, don't wait until you see something before you say something. Don't wait until you see good grades before you start saying, I make great grades. You see what I'm telling you? And listen, church, we can apply this all the way up to what you're doing on your job as parents and, and what the Lord's having you do and set your hand to. Don't wait till you see something before you say something. Don't wait till you see prosperity before you start talking prosperity. We don't do that. This is a different way of living. Don't let unbelief come out of your mouth. It's evil. You want to know what else God sees as evil? Complaining. He calls it evil. 
And it is evil when you realize there's so much to be thankful for. There's so much to be grateful for. So students, kids, grown-ups alike, let's put a watch over our mouths and let no, no um, complaining come out. Let's not let unbelief come out. Let's find something to be thankful for. Why? What's the big deal? You want to love life or not? Okay. Don't check out on me. You want to see good days or not? Yeah, good days. Then he said, refrain your tongue from evil. Don't let unbelief, don't let complaining come out. You know what I want to know what else is evil? Constant criticism. Putting people down. You need to realize that Satan is a minimizer. He's a belittler. He likes to take the good things and the great things that God's doing and make them little in your eyes. Make you think it's insignificant. To where you look at your own life and think, man, this is, this isn't, these aren't great miracles. I, I just wish that God would do great things for me. What are you doing? You're minimizing and belittling everything he's, he is doing for you. And the next thing you start doing is doing that to other people. Bringing other people down. Minimizing their gifts, their abilities. Minimizing them. That is the enemy. That is evil. We're called to minister grace to the people that hear us. Grace is what builds up. Grace is what edifies and strengthens and enlarges. Grace ministered to people causes people to, to, to recognize, man, with God in me, nothing is impossible. And you realize they could get that from you? From you. What did he say? Refrain your tongue from this stuff. Maybe I think sometimes I'm too literal with some of this stuff. But it, words paint pictures in my mind. Have you ever said or been told, hey, hold your tongue? I feel like I got told that a time or two growing up. Hold your tongue. I think I'm too literal. Does that paint a picture for anybody else? Hold your tongue. Show me what that looks like. Why would, why would somebody say hold your tongue? Watch this. Because it's really hard to get anything out when you hold your tongue. Hold it. Just before unbelief starts coming out, I don't know Before complaining and criticizing and belittling starts coming out, what should you do? Hold that thing and don't let anything come out. You see what I'm saying to you? Grab a hold of it, and that's why David, the psalmist, said it like this: "Put a watch over my mouth. Put a guard over my lips." Don't let anything come out. He said, let the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. Your mouth is steering the ship. You want to see some good days? You want to love your life? Watch what's coming out of your mouth. No unbelief. Say it. No unbelief. No complaining. No criticizing. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.